KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, July 18th. Police more likely to shoot if suspect is person of color. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The Navy issued a letter of censure Friday to the former commander of its U.S. Pacific Fleet. It alleged leadership failures by retired Vice Admiral Richard Brown, stemming from the 2020 fire that destroyed the USS Bonham Richard in San Diego. Navy leaders also gave out nearly 30 disposition decisions that included forfeitures of pay and other punishments. There is an ongoing criminal case against Ryan Sawyer Mays, the sailor charged with arson for allegedly intentionally setting the warship on fire that day. An amendment to grant the Congressional Medal of Honor to an Escondido resident and former U.S. Naval aviator was approved last week by the House. And now heads to the Senate. 97-year-old veteran E. Royce Williams was nominated for the nation's highest award for heroism. Williams prevailed in what is believed to be the longest aerial dogfight between a lone American fighter pilot and enemy combatants. When you're mailing a letter, do you look for fun stamps to stick on your envelope? While the U.S. Postal Service released a new series of stamps honoring mariachi performers, it's designed by local artist Rafael Lopez, who lives and works in both Mexico and San Diego. There are five stamps to choose from, each featuring a performer dressed in traditional clothing with their instrument. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. KPBS analyzed more than 20 years of records relating to use of force incidents involving police in San Diego County. Investigative reporter Claire Tregesser found a clear trend. Officers are far more likely to shoot if the suspect is a person of color. A warning, this story has graphic descriptions and sounds. What's he wearing? On an early evening in July 2017, La Mesa police officer Jacob Whistler was searching in City Heights for a man suspected of homicide. Whistler jumped out of his patrol car when he spotted Derek Henderson walking along Altadena Avenue. Whistler chased Henderson into an alley. He's not showing me his hands. He's not compliant. I thought he was trying to lure me into the alley. This is from an interview Whistler did later with police investigators. He starts digging into his waistband. He's not running. He seemed to be buying time to get something to me that he was trying to get out of his waistband. Moments later, the officer fired several shots at the unarmed Henderson. None of the rounds hit him. It's kind of a non-emergency, but we've got a trespasser, which appears to be a homeless homeless guy. So he's refusing to leave? Yeah, he's not wanting to leave. 
Roughly two years later, a worker at BNSF Railway on Cesar Chavez Parkway called the San Diego Police Department. When officers arrived, 65-year-old Douglas Nephew grabbed a fire extinguisher and sprayed them, according to a police report. Police ordered Nephew to stop. Instead, he walked away, first picking up a 10-foot wooden stick, then several railroad spikes. Moments later, Nephew threw a spike at officers, but they never drew their guns. Instead, they used beanbags, pepper balls, and finally a police dog to subdue him. Why was Henderson shot at when police used less than lethal force on Nephew? That's impossible to know for certain, as each interaction with police has its own set of circumstances. But there are two clear facts. Henderson is black and Nephew is white. And what happened to each of them tracks with a long-running trend in San Diego County and across the country. A KPBS analysis of records shows that when suspects were people of color, police fired their weapons 64% of the time. When they were white, just over 48% of the time. When we zoom out, we're not surprised by these findings, right? DeRay McKesson is a civil rights activist with the advocacy organization Campaign Zero. The racial disparities show up in almost everything that we measure. Uh, in things that we don't measure, we are confident that people's lived experience is also true. Similar to the KPBS analysis, research done at USC shows that people of color are shot more often regardless of the circumstances. Brian Finch led that research. These disparities that you're observing are real and not necessarily just dependent on different types of crime being being committed by or, or different types of stops occurring for different demographic subgroups like black and white uh, citizens. Several local programs are attempting to tackle these disparities and make it less likely that police use lethal force in general. In March 2019, San Diego County District Attorney Summer Steffen rolled out an eight-hour de-escalation training program for local law enforcement agencies. And now most officers have taken it. Stefan says early signs are encouraging. Despite the fact that more and more people have guns, and now we're seeing that more and more people have also ghost guns, so it is a scary situation out there for officers, a lot more guns on the streets. We're still seeing this... Um, the numbers go down a bit, which is very encouraging. But she would want five years' worth of numbers to say it's a trend. Local police departments have made their own policy changes, many of them mandated by the state. They include new training on non-biased policing, de-escalation, and leadership and community outreach. The SDPD has updated its use of force policy to require that officers make specific efforts to de-escalate a situation before drawing their guns. But for many in the community, it's too little too late. There's racism among police officers that can't be overcome with training, says Darwin Fishman of the Racial Justice Coalition of San Diego. If he's coming in to San Diego and you learn Southeast is where the gangbangers are and you got to keep your head up because they're going to be shooting at you, um, then yeah, it's not going to be surprising. He's going to more likely to use lethal force. Fishman says police first resisted body cameras, but now generally view them as essential to their job. He hopes that soon police will embrace de-escalation in the same way. It can't be smoke and mirrors. There has to be substantial change. He says that will lead to more trust in the community and fewer people killed. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News.
To search the KPBS database and see a map of use of force incidents, go to kpbs.org slash police records. After weeks of COVID case increases, San Diego County is back in the CDC's high-risk tier. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says the more contagious BA5 variant is driving up cases and hospitalizations. I think it can be said right now that we are moving in the wrong direction. We want to try and put some brakes on it. Dr. Cameron Kaiser is one of San Diego County's deputy public health officers. He says there's been multiple days this month where more than 2,000 new infections were reported. The increases are prompting some to reconsider targeted interventions to mitigate the spread. Health officials in Los Angeles County say if they stay in the CDC's high-risk tier for two weeks, universal indoor masking is coming back. San Diego County health officials wouldn't go that far. As far as locally, the strong recommendation stands, and we reinforce that every chance we get. Um, including right now, I'll be saying it more, and we'll be saying it more strongly while we're in the red tier. In the high-risk tier, CDC officials recommend everyone wear masks indoors. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. A San Diego doctor and a local company that makes prosthetic limbs have partnered to help amputees caught in the war in Ukraine. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has this story. When UC San Diego urologist Manoj Manga heard about the outbreak of war in Ukraine, he just bought a plane ticket, knowing only that he wanted to go there and help. He ended up joining hands with a San Diego startup called Limber Prosthetics and Orthotics, which creates artificial legs with a 3D printer. Dr. Manga found four men who lost limbs, one of them a double amputee at rehab hospitals in Ukraine. So a total of five limbs were delivered altogether. These are regular people. They could have been your neighbors, carpenters, teachers. They'd left their homes, their lives, their loved ones to go east to defend their homeland. Videos shot at the rehab hospital show the men walking on their prosthetic limbs. Manga said some of them wanted to know when they could go back and fight. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Coming up, a petition to stop proposed rooftop solar charges. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Rooftop solar advocates hope to energize the public to join a second petition drive to catch the attention of California regulators. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more on this. The Solar Rights Alliance has signed up 15,000 residents, and they hope to add tens of thousands more signatures in the coming weeks. Advocates had already enlisted 175,000 people in their first petition drive to try to get the California Public Utilities Commission and the governor to stop what they call an attack on solar power. 
Utilities want to charge homeowners steep monthly fees if they have rooftop solar. The Solar Rights Alliance's Dave Rosenfeld says he wants the regulators to listen. There should be no confusion at the CPUC or the governor's office about where the public stands, where the nonprofit community stands, where elected officials and cities and school districts stand. The power companies also want to devalue the electricity generated by rooftop solar panels. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. It is now much easier for people to get help if they're having a mental health or substance abuse crisis or are considering suicide. KPBS reporter John Carroll says there's a new way to access help. It's similar to 911. People can now call or text a request for help to 988. That will get them to a trained counselor who can provide help and connect them to services in the area where they live. Director of San Diego County's Behavioral Health Services, Dr. Luke Bergman, says moving from a regular phone number to three easy-to-remember digits will be a game-changer. We estimate that call volume could increase by as much as 150 percent locally. And so in the most recent county budget, we've actually devoted some additional both staffing and infrastructure tech resources. Dr. Bergman says the new 988 service will dovetail in with the county's mobile crisis response teams that have been operating for the last couple of months. John Carroll, KPBS News. It's a resource unlike any other in North County, and the numbers are showing it's already making a difference. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the update on One Safe Place. It's been less than two weeks since One Safe Place in San Marcos opened its doors, but the North County Family Justice Center is already helping people in need. We've had 137 individuals take advantage and get services at uh, One Safe Place, the North County Family Justice Center. District Attorney Summer Steffen's office led the project. The facility provides help to victims of domestic violence, child or elder abuse, sexual assault, and human trafficking. We've already been able to provide emergency shelter and connections to long-term shelter to 30 individuals just in the last nine days. Later this year, events on labor rights, immigration, Pet care and job readiness are also planned for the community at the center. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. A celebration of life was held for the local black hair pioneer and creator of the Afro pick, William Morrow, who just died at the age of 82. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says more than an inventor, Morrow was a pillar of San Diego's black community. Willie Morrow was also an internationally renowned black hair care stylist whose name became synonymous with the Afro pick. Inspired by a homemade African comb, the Afro pick has long, broad bristles that are perfectly spaced to style an Afro haircut. Morrow died on Wednesday, June 22nd, in his San Diego home, and Friday, a celebration of life service was held in his honor at the Bayview Baptist Church of San Diego. He inspired many other black entrepreneurs like Abdul Rahim Hamid, who spoke at the service. I saw this big black Afro pick out in front of this beautiful green building. He was a young entrepreneur. He sold a seed in me. Morrow's status rose over time, and he styled hair for people like Basketball Hall of Famer Michael Jordan. Now, there's an effort underway to get a street named in his honor. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. 
In a number of dazzling images last week, we were lifted out of our everyday problems to gaze upon the universe as we've never seen it before. NASA called it a celebration for everyone on Earth. The images from the James Webb Space Telescope took us deep into space and 13 billion years into the past. San Diego Air and Space Museum used the images as a teachable moment, opening up the wonders of real galaxies far, far away to San Diego's children. Becky Gold, Education Director for the museum, spoke with KPBS's Maureen Cavanaugh about the images. Well, you know, even amateur space enthusiasts have a difficult time figuring out what these spectacular pictures show. So how do you explain them to kids? Well, I think a lot of times I let the kids tell me what they see. And then we try to point out some of the major features, maybe a spiral galaxy or the black hole, and then have them bring it down to something that maybe relates to what they've seen. For instance, some of the light is bending in the deep field one, and you can have explain that it's like going around a barrier when you walk. So bringing the known into the unknown is one of the things that we're trying to do. You know, we've heard that pictures from the James Webb Space Telescope show us images from the past. What does that really mean? So when the light is emitted from a star or a galaxy, it takes time to travel from that galaxy to where the James Webb Telescope is. So what we're seeing is really the light that was emitted 13 million, 13 billion years ago. So it's a very strange concept to me, but when you look at the light, it's on how far it's traveled. So it's both a measure of distance and time. So one of the pictures seems to show a a small brilliant lights scattered across the picture. It's a galactic cluster and it's being called that deep field image that you talked about. What are we seeing in that picture? That's an interesting thing. So I have seen it described as holding a piece of sand on the end of your finger at arm's length. That's as much as the picture that we're seeing. It doesn't have anything known in it. If you were looking on Earth, it would appear to be black sky. And here we are seeing thousands and tens of thousands of galaxies in it. So it is the picture of kind of taking a snapshot of what the sky is. And it's allowing scientists to really look and see just what is out there. And with the five different ways of measuring the night sky and being able to take longer exposures because the telescope is a million miles from Earth, it really gives you a different look at a place that has appeared to be blank for so long. Why do the galaxies in that picture have different colors? So it depends on what kind of stars are in the galaxy. So some stars are going to be older and they're going to burn less hot and appear more red. And some stars are going to be newer and they're going to be burning at a very high rate. And those are the blue stars. So we can definitely tell the age of the star depending on the color that it has. And the galaxies will be the different colors depending on the age of the stars in the galaxies. One of the most striking images to me, it almost looks like a mountain range. It's the Carina Nebula, I believe it's pronounced. Is this where stars are born? 
Yes, this is where stars are born. So the cliffs that you're seeing are a swirl of gas and dust and gravity and energy. And you can see the pinpricks of light are the baby stars and they are shining blue because they are doing that. So as they form, they are being moved away from this. And that is um, how they're going to be forming new galaxies. So it's very exciting to take something that we've seen in fuzzy images through Hubble and seeing such a clear images with the James Webb Telescope. Are we expecting to see more spectacular images from the Webb Telescope? Yes, I've heard that they have some fabulous pictures of Jupiter that should be released any day now, and they are doing images almost every day. So Teams of scientists can apply to have research time and they can pick a target in the galaxy and then they can look at this target and have the exposure time and then get the images back from the telescope. That was Becky Gold, San Diego Air and Space Museum Education Director, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.